All right. Welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. First, I'm going to thank my friend Edwin for that uh, yeah, Edwin. awesome theme music there. Uh, it's, it's from a group called Thought Be- Thoughts Being. Um, you can look them up. They do a lot of... Uh, synth pop retro wave stop music and it's awesome i so love that, it yeah thank I you i love it thank, thank you edwin thank That's you fantastic. so much thank you so much again um well um i got a question for you andy are you ready to devil you know i, I feel like i am um my problem is you know because every you know everybody knows by now that we watch the trailer and then we watch the actual the film itself um, I could be ready to devil, but I don't know if I'm ready to spend an hour and a half just getting things thrown in my face. <laughs> it seems from the trailer that that's the plot of the movie. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, the movie that we're going to be watching, this is part two in our Inspired by Cocaine uh, trilogy. And this movie, the reason why it fits into here is because uh, William Wales, who wrote the screenplay for the movie we're about to watch, was on cocaine when he wrote the screenplay for this. Pseudonym for David Ambrose, by the way. <laughs> and if you don't know who David Ambrose has done, I looked because I wanted to know. Um, little movie called Daryl. He wrote Daryl. D, you know, D. A. Dot R. Dot y. Dot L. Wrote Daryl. Um, he wrote. The Survivor, he wrote The Final Countdown. Mm-hmm. So the man is no stranger to the cocaine, is no, what I'm saying. He's That's... not. <laughs> um, and the movie that we're going to be looking at, uh, it was originally released in 3D. And what was interesting about this is, is that it is a part three in um, a film franchise. And in the early 80s, when 3D made a comeback... With, a, with this stereoscopic whatever the hell it was, the expensive 3D. Right. Um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, 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 film that, the film that basically launched it was a Western that everybody has forgotten, and for good reason, because it's a shitty Western, called Coming At Ya. Um, Coming At Ya! <laughs> different Western. I've seen that documentary. <laughs> um, but then... Uh, they decided to, uh, you know, there was other films that were made in this process, like uh, Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin, Sp- Space Hunter, uh, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein was reissued in this 3D format. No, which it was not. Yes, it I was. That. Yeah, we, we, yes, it was, believe it or not. Um, but the most popular film, well, the two most popular films to come out in this 3D franchise was... Friday the 13th, Part 3, and Jaws 3. Uh, and despite Jaws 3, it, it, Jaws 3 was the biggest, and despite Jaws 3 being a really horrible movie, um, it was a massive hit because of the 3D. And it seemed like that when they were doing this with horror films in the 80s, especially when it comes to franchises, Part 3 was the movie to go with. And that's, yeah, because you've already you already shit the bed with parts <laughs> one and two. You might as part two usually was the bed shitter. Yeah. So you might as well you know really lean into part three because you know everybody loves three D, especially when it's the eighties three D when it literally was everything gets thrown at the screen, and it was blurry. So it's like you dropped a contact and it's <laughs> yes. So the movie we're going to look at is um, Amityville three D. And uh, 
unfortunately we're not watching the 3d version of this because the only way that we could watch the 3d version of this is if we had a 3d copy of it on blu-ray and had the special 3d blu-ray player and a 3d television and that cost money and right and it's also would be quite an expense for this film yes um it's not worth it um <laughs> so um the interesting thing about this movie is that it has absolutely zero connection with the first two films, except for the fact that it's set in the Amityville Horror House. Um, Amityville Horror, of course, uh, is a famous film about what the Lutz family allegedly states happened in their home, um, which made them abandon their home. Uh, part two is loosely based on the... And when I say loosely based, I use the word loosely with giant italicis. Um, about the family that lived in there before it, where the murders actually happened. Um, but for some reason, for part two, they th felt that the mysterious murders that the guy claimed that Satan told him to do wasn't enough. So they added in supernatural horror elements and a demonic possession and an exorcism on top of everything else. Part three is just saying, okay, we're going to uh, bring in actors... Uh, Tony Roberts, Tess Harper, and Candy Clark and just throw them into the Amityville Horror House with a bunch of 3D effects. And, hey, look, there's a young Meg Ryan and Lori Laughlin. Let's throw them in, too. So it gave me – was it – because you'll refresh my memory. I did watch a lot of horror movies at this time period of my life. Like, I was young, though. I have not seen this. I have so, not seen this since it came out in the theater, and I was a young, impressionable kid when I saw this. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> I don't so, at all. So, um, refresh my memory. Was it a fairly common thing to do the reporter and his intrepid group of um, investigators goes into the haunted house because that's a pretty big trope now oh god it, it was too i mean there are a number I, I mean honestly you if if you can go all the way back to the 60s with the haunting and yeah 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 that's the famous one yeah and and you know go with that so it, it is a very famous trope i mean some films have done it better than others like the haunting or the lead or the house on the house on haunted hill uh the legend of hell house and then you've got other films that didn't do it as well. <laughs> so. Speaking of Hell House, can you explain to me Dino De Laurentiis' connection to this film? <laughs> I think he produced it. Let me. I can't find his credits on it anywhere. Yeah, it just but says. in the trailer, it very clearly states that Dino, Dino De Laurentiis is involved in this film. So I'm, I got, believe it or not, I've got the Blu-ray of this thing. And the only reason why I have the Blu-ray of um, Amityville 3D was because... Well, we're all friends here. You don't have to lie. It's fine. <laughs> it's a... Well, I bought the Amityville Horror Trilogy that Shout Factory released a few years ago. And I wanted part one and, and part two. I want part one because even though... The facts are questionable. I still think it's a, a pretty solid horror film. And Amityville 2 is just so what the fuck that it's entertaining. And unfortunately, they have to throw in part three. Um, I'm looking at it. I mean, according to this, it was released by MGM. So I don't know if this he was, was a, working for them, maybe. Yeah, or maybe this was a product that Didolo De Laurentiis' uh, independent studio made and MGM acquired later in the years. 
Um, but it, uh, it, it, I mean, in the very first paragraph on the on the back of the DVD, it clearly states. Um, I'll read this for you for word for word. The house okay. of unspeakable evil is back to torment all that crosses its threshold as Dino De Laurentiis and, right? <laughs> and, and legendary 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea director Richard Fleischer presents Amityville 3D. That's so sad. The fact that the director of one of the greatest science fiction films ever made, Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, went on to direct <laughs> this. I have far the mighty have fallen. Yeah, that's just sad. That's all that is. That's yeah, just cause, sad. Yeah, because Disney's version is still considered, at least in my opinion, the best adaptation of that book. And yeah, he went on to do this. Um, but what's great about this uh, Blu-ray release is that it does include both the 2D and the Blu-ray 3D version. But again, that means buying the equipment, and I'm not going to do that. Um, so we have to watch the version where the stuff is just being thrown at our heads. By the way, theoretically, this film is available on um, Voodoo for free and possibly Tubi TV for free. Yes, and also on YouTube for free as well. Well, someone uploaded it. My best. Listen, I have a bad, I have a hard enough time watching these films ripped from VHS tapes. Um, I'm probably going to try to find it in some capacity that's not going to hemorrhage in my brain when they start throwing like Buicks at me. Well, here's the great thing about the YouTube version that was uploaded. It's the 1080pi. Blu-ray oh, version. Okay. Yeah, they someone uploaded the Blu-ray version of this Ryan movie. Ryan still look great. And I'm like, wow. Okay, well, they don't care. I mean, the thing, when Amityville 3D uh, was released in... Uh, it made its money back. Yeah, it did make its money back. It was released November 18th, 1983. It barely made its money back. Um, it cost $6 million to make this movie, and it made $6.3 million. Listen, uh, I, point three is point three, man. I think I think the, <laughs> I think the only reason why this movie made any money was because of the three D craze. This was still at the height of that three D craze. Nineteen eighty three was a huge year for the three D comeback craze. Um, and I just discovered it was originally released through Orion Pictures, which is not shocking. Yeah, which is trying to make a huge comeback this year with the Child's Play remake. Uh, which I'm now going to go see out of morbid curiosity because of um, Mark Hamill's involvement with it. And apparently the movie got a hard R. So I'm like, okay, I got to see this thing. Like a pirate. <laughs> um, Amityville 3D did, when it opened, it actually was number one in the box office that For weekend. A day. <laughs> but it immediately the following weekend dropped hardcore. Um and uh, when the film was released on home video, they changed the title because they didn't have 3D technology for, to adapt this sure. film at the time on, on VHS. So they retitled it to Amityville the Demon when it was released um, on home video. Uh, this movie received so many negative reviews that it currently <laughs> has a 5% rating That's on Rotten great. Tomatoes. It's uh, <laughs> so That's great. We are in for quite the treat with this thing. Ryan Reynolds. 
<laughs> is going to be great in this movie. <laughs> There's a boathouse. I'm telling you right now, if the if the Fly Wrangler doesn't win an Academy Award for his work, I'm going to be real upset. <laughs> but what I but what I really love about this movie is is we couldn't have picked a more timely movie to show. Ooh, and thunder outside. Perfect for wow. watching this movie. All right, the storm is back. That's perfect. We couldn't have picked a more timely movie to watch right now because of one of the stars of the film, which is Lori, I'm going to jail Laughlin. <laughs> I, I, what, what, USC. Wasn't it USC? USC, yes. I was laughing so hard when I when I watched the trailer and I realized that she's in this movie. And God, I'm surprised Meg Ryan's career survived this film. What's that? It's that uh, Rachel, uh, uh, Ross and Rachel, Rachel, what's her name? Oh, um, um, Aniston Leprechaun yes. thing. Like, you gotta start somewhere. Nobody's I, gonna shame you for it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, because, yeah, she got her, she got her, like, real early work on this, and she also did, you know, other films here and there, but then she started getting, you know, better films like Inner Space and Top Gun and The Presidio, and then, of course, Harry Met Sally came around, and bam, she went through the roof. Um, and let's not forget the classic that is Joe versus the Volcano. It is classic. Oh, it is. Uh, you know what? I don't care what people say. That film is fucking underrated. It really is. Go if it you really think. Is. Yeah, if if you think it's terrible, go back and rewatch it. It's absolutely hilarious. And the if it, you think that movie's terrible, you should watch some of the movies that we watch. <laughs> appreciation for the word terrible. <laughs> Yeah, Joe versus Volcano, I highly recommend. It is a fun movie. A there were times in this trailer that I was watching it that I literally thought to myself, but we've watched The Kindred already. <laughs> <laughs> there are some moments that are very Kindred-esque in that trailer. It really is. And um, the only scene that I have, because it, it misled me into thinking that it was a trailer. It's not. It's an actual scene from the movie. And it's a scene where um, Lori Laughlin and Meg Ryan's characters and their boyfriends are up in the uh, the attic of the Amityville house, which was the children's room where um, they all saw uh, what's her face, the pig in the first movie, um, Jody, uh, Jody the pig, and everything. They decide to have a Ouija board séance in this room, and it results in the glass that they're using for the panchette suddenly being thrusted into the camera screen. <laughs> they panchettes in this movie? Well, no, they use a, instead of a panchette, they use a, a like a regular, like, like juice glass going around this, this makeshift um, Ouija board. And then suddenly it just thrusts into the camera. And by thrust into the camera, I mean, you can tell that somebody's pulling it with a string. As it's, oh, apparently there are a lot of visible strings in this film. <laughs> as it is, slowly it's moving fast in a slow type manner towards the camera to shatter while Lori Laughlin is looking back with this dull surprise on her face. Um, <laughs> and upon watching this clip, that's what made me decide we need to do this on the show. Cause I, I, I almost went with Amityville too, because it is so what the fuck. 
But then realizing Lori Laughlin was in this and realizing yeah. who, wrote, who wrote it, I was just like, oh, yeah, we got to do this because uh, we're also needs to be stated that we're doing something unprecedented for this show tonight. Yes. And that is we are recording this. We are going to break from this, watch the film and come back and record it the same night. Yeah. So Lord only knows what you people are going to get when we come back. It is going to be fresh on our minds. I mean, I technically we kind of did with our last episode with Phantom of the Park because after you watched Phantom of the Park, you were like, I need to talk about this right now. That's different. That but, was a tour de force. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be on the same level. I don't think we're going to find a film. I mean, did could, I enjoy as much as Phantom of the Park? <laughs> I don't think you will either. No. And I mean blockbusters. I'm going to go see Avengers Endgame and be like, could have been fan of the park. <laughs> I mean, it could be famous last words. We could possibly, you know, stumble into something that's just as awesome as Phantom of the Park, but it's a hard act to follow that. I mean, we were, it we really were still is. talking about it weeks later. After- <laughs> I'm still talking about it now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is, that is going to be a hard act to follow, but hopefully this thing will be just as what the fuckery of, uh, as fun. And I'm just hoping for some really shitty acting. And at, at the same time, I'm going to feel really bad for um, uh, actor Tony Roberts and <laughs> actress Candy Clark. That they're, you know, these people who are like, we've done Broadway, we've done, you know, culturally significant films. Yeah, we'll do Amityville. We, we, need, we have a bill to play. I mean, that's a, that, my, my pool ain't going to clean itself. Yeah, I, I need that car. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Are we ready? Yeah. Let's get ready to devil. <laughs> All right, here we go. The whole world knows the story of this house. Now, its terror takes on a new dimension. The horror reaches out beyond the edge of the screen. Get out! Everybody get out of the house! Dino De La presents Amityville 3D. So that just happened. Jesus. Yeah, it did. <laughs> that, wow. Um, God, I'm trying to figure out where to begin with this one. Okay, I know exactly where to begin. Okay, okay. where are you going to start? I'm going to start with the opening credit sequence. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's a good place to start. <laughs> because, after, after, first of all, we're threatened with the words Dino De Laurentiis presents. Huge, I, huge, just dead center. Giant Dino De Laurentiis. It's just like it's like Dino De uh just went there and said, "My cock!" in big words. I'm real proud of what you're about to see. <laughs> then the incredibly cheesy Amityville 3D logo appears. That was yeah. What was that? <laughs> it looked like something from a Hercules movie. It looked like something that I would have drawn in a notebook circa 1987. <laughs> It was like the it was like the film opening credits t- 
title announcement version of that S that we used to draw in the 80s and yes, the 90s. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's like a Thrasher <laughs> magazine ad. <laughs> and then, as we are slowly panning the Amityville house, to remind us that this movie is 3D, it's like the director told the crew, beat some branches against the camera lens. Just full on do it too. Like don't like don't be subtle about it. <laughs> and it was just like it literally was like bam 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 bam, bam against it. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, make sure we get a good shot of the for sale sign while we Swinging are in your face back and forth like a mighty cock just <laughs> smacking you in the face while we beat you in the face with the branches <laughs> but you know what's funny at that point after that the movie stops for an hour and 15 minutes so yeah it was like it's like the film forgot to that it was a 3D movie i mean there was a little thing here and there but it totally forgot it was an 80s 3D movie um, so after that happens, we have the seance. Uh, it, oh yeah. Oh, trench coat. The, the, uh, the Elliot Ness seance. <laughs> so I forgot about that because I, I actually wrote you during it and said, all the trench coats, apparently <laughs> everybody's got a trench coat. So, yeah, so this movie not only had a fly wrangler, but it also had a trench coat wrangler. It did. Because there's did. a lot of trench coats All in the, the movie. trench coats. So, so and we have Candy Clark, who you could tell did not want to be in this movie. I she The whole entire time, she was like, you, you see this look on her face like, I was in American Graffiti. Why am I here? The only time and, that Candy Clark wanted to be in this movie is when she was flipping out on... Uh, <laughs> On Peter Brady, Ron Perlman, um, about her her experiences in the house. My God, Tony Roberts really was like Tony Roberts. Well, no, well, yes, Tony but Roberts. You're accurate, but but he was definitely Ron Perlman light in this movie. I mean, down to the afro. I, yeah, I'm going. God, it it, it just. It's like Ron Perlman must have saw this movie and said, "That's my look." We have some, we have some really good screenshots that we might be posting to Facebook at some point um, <laughs> of, of, about this movie during this movie. Yeah, we're gonna have to share these because, yeah, they, I mean, we were just having a field day with this, and so the the the, the seance happens, and of course, the seance turns out to be a fraud. Um, and we find out that uh, these people who are posing as a married couple looking for their dead son are actually reporters who are exposing I, supernatural fraud throughout the United States. I was into this at that point. Like, I'm like, that's a good hook. Like, they, 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 then he, like, to, it was almost, they dropped the ball on, on not offering him the house to shut him up. Yeah. Like, if he wouldn't have bought it. If, if it would have been like, you know, I can't be tied back to this. The house is on the market. Nobody will buy it. Why don't you just go ahead and take it? That would have been a hook I really would have liked. Yeah, no, instead he buys it just because he wants to buy it. I mean, his not... Because of his colossal ego and my fangs. <laughs> that, was, that would be what a superstitious person would say, though. Hey, Andy. <laughs> that is what... 
a superstitious person would say, Roy. Oh my god, that that line when he said that, I was just like, "Oh, kill the douche." When he Which said, time? <laughs> he says it like four times. <laughs> like, it's like I texted you and I said, "I hope he dies in this it movie." Is, I hope he gets bitch slapped. Like, bitch yes. slaps to hell, literally, is what I said. But, um. Yeah. So, so yeah. The 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 um o- the owner mentions about the house being on sell. So- he was apparently renting it to these uh, grifters, and so Tony Roberts is like, "Hey, I'll buy it," and he buys the house. And um, Candy Clark develops photos that she took, and apparently at this point it becomes the ring because it becomes this movie at some point is every movie. <laughs> Because the face of the owner is all distorted, all ring style. And that was just to let us know that he's about to suffer death by flies. Yeah, fly death. (laughs) You know, like you do. (laughs) And it wasn't just like like flies. Just, you know, I mean, flies have had a, a special connection with these movies. I mean, they were present since day one with this franchise. And in this movie, though... It wasn't just flies attacking the unfortunate person. It was like somebody was standing off in the corner with raisins and just it was like threw it at him. A fan, <laughs> probably that they used in that last scene, and and a bunch of raisins, and they were just throwing them through the fan at his face. I they were just pelting him, and and then also in that scene we got introduced to fly on a string. Uh huh. There's a lot on a string here. There's a franchise. In this movie. <laughs> Fly on a string was present through the whole film, and I'm surprised it didn't get its own uh, credit in the in the closing credits. Um, so we get <laughs> we get introduced to that. The guy the the the, the guy gets killed by all the flies, uh, which is uh, Tony Roberts just dismisses as a stroke Listen, or a heart attack. No one is a human being, and nobody has human emotional reactions in this entire film. No, because they're just like, oh, he died. Okay. Like, so, I I don't want to jump ahead, and I'm not jumping ahead too much, right? Um, Almost immediately upon his purchase of this house, oh, it was during the purchase of the house, they find the well to hell in the basement because it was the owner that fell through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And what do they do with it? They just leave it open in the basement. They don't <laughs> even cover it with anything. It's just a pit to hell in your basement, and you're just like, yeah, we're going to leave this here, regardless of whether you're a superstitious person or not. <laughs> I would have filled that fucker up you with don't cement. don't leave a pit to hell just open in your basement. Oh, and their way of covering it up was to put wood planks back over it. And I'm like, fill it with some cement. Do something. Make it non-hazardous. That's my point exactly. Like, like hubris is one thing, but you know that's a that's a code violation right there. <laughs> so yeah, the the, the portal to hell uh, is is it remains open throughout the course of this film, and of course, you know Tony Roberts just dismisses it as yeah, oh, it's a dried up well. We have a dried up well in our house. Yay! Let's leave it open. It's just yeah. gonna sit there. In our basement, where people go all the time. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Meanwhile, um, his um, I, I guess his now ex-wife 
um, who has only two emotions in this movie. Um, <laughs> and this guy who basically looks like Steve Buscemi's son, um, or if you've ever seen The Room, if you put glasses on him, he would become Peter, the psychologist from The Room. Who, but you know who, who that is, right? Yes, you know I do. Is. Yeah. Like, it took halfway through the movie because it's so young for me to be like, oh, shit, that's... Um, the guy from the everybody knows him from NCIS. Yeah, but he's the guy from whatever, um, whichever George Romero crappy uh, zombie movie. Land that of the Dead. It. Yeah, yeah, he's from that. Like, I'm like, this is in your acting credits, man. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> rough. That is rough. But he's apparently some sort of paranormalist um, who likes to put people through sleep deprivation and then put them in a deprivation chamber to see what horrors they could conjure. There's um, people screaming randomly throughout this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, that's a job. Okay. Um, so Apparently it pays pretty well, too. <laughs> so does being a reporter for, like, the Freudian Times – <laughs> apparently you can just buy a house on that salary. oh yeah i mean i understand that the house was probably cheap because of the history behind it but that's some prime retail and i don't think for that little independent magazine that tony roberts worked for he could afford to pay for the entire house in cash just up front in cash yeah, yeah just this is my house now you superstitious assholes <laughs> So then we also get introduced to his daughter, who is played by Lori Laughlin, um, who's I love that the name was Susan because all of a sudden all the memes start coming up in my head, uh, involving <laughs> the name Susan. And literally her entrance into this movie was like a Hallmark Channel movie. It really she, was. She, she sweeps into the room, just sweeps in. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of a conversation about divorce, apparently for the first time, yeah, I guess. And she comes in, she's like, her her and her bangs are like, oh, hi, Dad. And at that point, it starts becoming the weirdest episode of Full House you've ever seen in your entire life. Especially, it, 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 apparently an episode guest starring Meg Ryan. Well, it's an after-school special for sure. <laughs> um no, the thing that got me about that Lori about the Lori Laughlin first opening scene, right, mm -hmm. is they're talking about getting a divorce. Him and his wife, yeah, who has like the female seventies equivalent to Wolverine hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's the hair in this movie's. Oh God! There's many. Uh, there's many aesthetics in this movie that are just Plus like to nuts, wacko. Yeah, just bonkers times. Um, so is the kitchen, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so, they, so they are talking about um, about divorce, and she's like, "I didn't. It didn't. It wasn't real until we put it on, you know, paper." And I guess you're moving. And he's like, literally the day after. How long does this movie take? Because I don't like know. Because she's like. I guess it's real, and it, 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 it's it's real now. And he's like, "Yep, take up a keyboard, bye." Yeah, he's like, "Taking it, I'm taking my Smith Corona, I'm out of here, and I'm gonna play some haunted, scary music for my daughter." Um, but 
Lori Laughlin walks in and is just like, hey, Dad, what's going on? He's like, pack it up. She's like, cool. Like, what? That's not a human reaction to your death. Oh, oh, wow, you're getting a divorce. Yay, do I get a room in your new house? <laughs> so nobody has a single human reaction in this entire film. No. And so Candy Clark, she starts to become a suspicious person. And is is investigating the photos even more, and um, starts having they got a some, real Mulder and Scully thing going on. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, she starts getting skeptical about um, the house and everything. And meanwhile, Lori Laughlin moves in, and of course, out of all the rooms that Lori Laughlin chooses to move into, it's the room where the children were murdered in the first case, and. The children were also exposed to Jody the ghost pig in the Lux's <laughs> case. So I'm like, of course she's moving in to uh, that room. Why Why wouldn't she? I want that room. Uh-oh. <laughs> I want a human reaction. Okay. I want that room. That blood stain goes great with the drapes. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Isn't this the room the guy just said? Hey, you know what the, the dad doesn't say? Hey, yeah, maybe not because a man just died by flies where you're standing. Exactly. It was the same room. And he's just yeah, like, maybe not. He's like, oh, you want to live in here? Okay, it's yours. It's like the whole <laughs> film, he's like, all right, there, you know. And it's not a human being. No one in this movie is a human being. Because <laughs> then we have our two first major major hauntings with our lead character, with, 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 with two of the three lead characters. We have Candy Clark in the house who gets assaulted by CO2. Um, and by the, the basement just like blasts open and it's like everybody wound up every CO2 um, canister on the set to put out fires and said, blast her with it. So and- what was she doing? Okay, so I know that he was trying to get his book deal, right? So he wasn't there, but he said, why don't you meet me at six and we'll work from there. She was there to to work, and and she met um, apparently apparently the housekeeper is Baba Yaga. Right. Uh, <laughs> so this, the Baba Duke is keeping house with a eighteen T cell flashlight, <laughs> about ready to bean Candy Clark with it. And it's like all of a sudden I start having flashbacks to the Yaya commercials that Oikos used to have. <laughs> with her and I'm just like she left too soon I was like oh no Yaya stay please <laughs> and so it starts getting cold in the house for Candy Clark while she's waiting for Tony Roberts to come home and she decides to go to the basement by by the way Candy Clark's acting choice for uh, conveying to us that it was cold was like okay impersonate a pigeon <laughs> what it seems like the direction was because she's moving her she's she's doing a fossy neck back and forth yeah she's definitely yes yes <laughs> and just like she's doing the fossy neck while she's shimmying back and forth all Liza Minnelli style and so she's like this is my moment <laughs> 
So she goes to go in the basement. She gets scared of the basement, which appropriately so. She climbs out of the basement, and the basement's like, no, bitch, we're going to blast you, and gets an attitude problem. And like, you're in my house, Karen. <laughs> and blasts her with the CO2. Meanwhile, Tony Roberts is at wherever he's at for this uh, interview with this guy. He gets on board the elevator, and the elevator suddenly becomes, after he gets annoyed by Fly on a String, which comes back for this scene. Um, Wait, there's an elevator in the house? No, it's in an office. It's, in, a, it's oh. in some office building that he's going to for his book deal. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. And so the, somehow the Fly has arrived in the elevator. He swats at it a few times, and then it becomes the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> And we know this because Tony Roberts is acting his way down to the floor as the gravity of going up so many stories conveys. And then... Yeah. Like, it's like three <laughs> stories, by the way. It's not... And he's just like... The way he's acting, he... I mean, you could tell he's trying to convey that the pressure is pushing down on him. All the while, acting like... Like he has gas, basically, is the best way to describe the look on his face. It's like it's like he he is is thwarting up, and finally he's going uh, like thinking to himself, "Oh, I shouldn't have had that burrito supreme." Well, you know what it reminded <laughs> me of, like a uh, like an ulcerative colitis commercial. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what his his acting reminded me of. Somebody in one of those commercials trying to act like they had you know ulcerative colitis. <laughs> It, like one of those like like pharmaceutical commercials. That's yeah. what it struck me as. Where will you be when your diarrhea medication yeah, wears like off? <laughs> <laughs> and then the elevator drops all cliffhanger style. And the convey that the elevator is dropping fast is apparently he's <laughs> not even subtle. You could tell he's on some kind of mechanical wench that lifts him up and it's not like a sudden fast lift up that would happen when you're falling from so many um floors at a rapid speed he like gingerly lifts up to the ceiling and it, he's uh, and it, and instead of being completely pressed to the ceiling he's holding it up with his shoulders yeah, no, it's definitely, you can see the rig pulling up, like, the corners of his bad 70s suit. Yes! <laughs> it's so bad. Like I said, I don't know what happened to this movie until the last half hour. Yeah. Like, I don't know what this movie was until the last half hour, because it wasn't scary. No, it wasn't scary, and we were seeing elements of, like, uh, we, we said we saw elements of, like, The Exorcist 3. Yeah, I was like, I'm getting vibes from The Exorcist 3 here. When they were in the... Uh, the, the psychological facility. Like, I'm like, I'm getting some strong Exorcist 3 vibes here. Well, it's like we got we got vibes of that. We got vibes of Poltergeist. We got vibes yes. of Hallmark movies. We got uh, vibes of the Amity, the first Amityville Horror. And we'll explain later why we saw vibes of the Entity with Barbara Hershey also. Um, well, speaking of the, of the first Amityville Horror, it's pretty much directly after that that we get our introduction to a very young Meg Ryan, isn't it? Oh, this well, we get introduced to her earlier in the movie, but this is where Meg Ryan gets to shine because her sole purpose in this movie is to explain to the audiences the events of the first two films. 
Yeah, she's the Greek chorus and also <laughs> likes apparently to be abused by, you know, high school kids. Yeah. Oh, and she's also obsessed with the idea of having sex with ghosts. Because she's oh, yeah. got this whole monologue about it. And I'm like, what the hell? It's like, yeah, he probably your dad probably wants to have sex with a ghost and he keeps up in the attic with boobs this big. The boobs up to here, which <laughs> I'm a straight guy. Boobs up to here confuses me. <laughs> even when she is when she's wanting to explore the house, she enters the living room and starts impersonating a butterfly in the living room. And just like I'm gonna flit about and ooh, This is my Suspiria moment. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, she starts just describing about all the events that happened in the house, and that's when she tells Lori Laughlin, people died in your bedroom. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much how it happens. <laughs> ooh, let's go to the basement. And that's when they suddenly throw something that I don't remember being mentioned. In the first two films, is that this "quote unquote" portal to hell and this house is buried on an ancient Indian burial yeah. ground, and that's yeah. where the poltergeist stuff starts coming yes. in. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's on an ancient Indian burial ground. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm just like, so some Native sort- Americans are smart enough not to bury their dead this close to the water, you idiots. <laughs> So this is what, like, some Chippewaian tribe discovered the portal to hell? Okay. Um, and so, of course, you know, they get busted by Daddy. And then we cut... By the way, the busted by Daddy part is the most obvious slow reveal I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> because it takes a full 12 seconds for them to reveal that the person, the noise that they heard was Dad... But as he's walking down the stairs, he's like, like it's obviously dad in a dad suit walking down the stairs. Like, 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 I mean, like a suit, like a, like a seventies polyester suit. Like you guys could tell, I could tell (laughs) the same angle you are. (laughs) And he arrives and he's going, so why are you not in school? And like teacher strike. And then he has the best comeback again. And it makes me go, what is the schools like in Amity? I mean, um, are, how bad are they? And Amity's got a lot of problems. We've got, you know, the Amityville horror. We've got shark attacks. I don't want to live in Amity. <laughs> but here's another non-human reaction, right? There is a, regardless of whether you think it's a portal to hell or just a really deep dry well in your basement, you just walk downstairs to find your daughter and her friend like dangling their toes in hell. And your response is, well, why aren't you in school? Not get the hell away from the giant hole in the ground, you psycho girls. Yeah, he's just leaning on that banister going, yep, that that's my girl dangling in hell. So, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, and then we immediately cut to the kitchen <laughs> that I told you. What is this, Mary Hartman? Mary yes. Hartman? <laughs> because it is just... So much contact paper and yellow all over the kitchen. And mom is basically, I think she was bitching her daughter out for going into the house, but she couldn't tell by the way she was delivering her lines. Because, her, like I said, she only, well, the mother really only had two emotions in this movie. And that was confused sadness and confused anger. Yes. Uh, so... 
she forbids her daughter to go to um, the house, and we cut back to the house where, where um, Greg Brady is working on his book, and then he hears noises in the bathroom. Tell us about the bathroom, Andy. I don't understand the bathroom. So here's what I don't understand about the bathroom, right? First of all, how hot does the water get in this house? <laughs> Well, there's extreme temperatures apparently in this house. It's like this, I guess. This, this, because the, <laughs> the water comes on and won't stop, and apparently it is like scalding ass water. Um, and as he's trying to fix it somehow, and I'm not real sure what he's doing under the sink because I don't think he's turning anything. He's just sweating. Yeah, he's just staring at the water. And as, as 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 Paul Stanley would say in our last movie, he's just sweating. He's just sweating. <laughs> um, damn, why can't every movie be that movie? Uh, the walls start closing in on him. Yeah, in a very in a very literal way, like. In, in a very, you know, if this was a stage performance of Amityville 3D, that's the way you would have walls closing on somebody. <laughs> and he doesn't even realize it either. It's, yeah, that's the, that's the part about it. It's like, is this supposed to be, we're going to scare you with the walls closing in because we're demons. And it's like, okay, I'm not even going to turn around and bother to look at said walls. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Keep, keep, keep doing trying to doing. squish me. I got plumbing issues. That's right. I don't believe you. Hey, walls closing in. That's something a superstitious wall would say. <laughs> well, I mean, with this scene and in other scenes, we did discover that the Amityville house is a song of ice and fire. And it, and we'll get to more of that in a moment. Because next we have to discuss the biggest what-the-fuck death scene in the entire film with Candy Clark. Okay, so I need – was the seance or the um, the Ouija before or after that? The Ouija was after that. Okay. So, so I need to establish a – I need to establish this now. Okay. Okay. Um, when – how long between her death and the end of the movie do you think it was? I honestly don't know because it was like her death was basically the way that everyone reacted to her death was, huh? Well, did anybody react to her death? No, not really. Even Tony Tony Roberts was like, well, she said that she was doing this and she was going into the office and I just don't know. Yeah. Nobody thinks anything of it. No, it's just like, and and she has the most violent death in the movie, and everyone's just like, oh, okay, so she looks like Korean barbecue. Who cares? You know? So explain the Korean barbecue death. <laughs> so she um, is looking at the photos that she took, and she discovers that in a mass, massive close up of the um, real estate <laughs> owner who died, that he has a mole that looks like Satan's face. He has a, she has a, she, she freaks out because he has a chud mole. And yeah, I kept thinking it looked like the, 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 the things from the kindred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The kindred made a comeback for this movie. 
Yeah, I think maybe they recycled some old kindreds. So she has another one of her freakout moments, and she's driving to go. I, who knows where she's driving? And she doesn't establish where she's taking these photos. All we know is suddenly Final Destination style, a lead pipe goes crashing through um, her window after she gets distracted by fly on a string. Who um, <laughs> comes back for the scene? The fly on the string basically is a harbinger of death in this movie. Right, and for sure. So this is when we get a really big 3D effect, is when the pipe goes through the window, and somehow this pipe that's on the back of a truck that's being transported for construction reasons, when it goes through the window, starts the car on fire in the interior. And I'm trying to figure out how, because she doesn't smoke, she didn't take out the cigarette lighter, there was nothing smoking coming from this pipe or anything. The Does it pipe, goes through the windshield. It just goes through the windshield. So apparently it must have hit the glass hard enough to spark a flame. I don't know, <laughs> dude. But all I know is that apparently her body burns faster than anything in the world. Oh, God, yes. Because she was just – because we see her die in a matter of, I'm going to say, 10 seconds. And when she goes up in a flame, and she goes, and by saying she goes up in a flame, I'm saying it's like her outfit was made out of paper mache. Yeah, she went up. She was an accelerant. Yes. And so, so some rando appears. Yeah, Josh Brolin shows up. <laughs> and it's it's all smoky inside uh, the car, like you know she's being slow smoked at a barbecue place in Texas, like full smoky. <laughs> yeah, not like. Kind of smoky, like somebody painted smoke on the inside of the the the, the, the door windows to her car. Yes. And so he opens the door, which I'm shocked he didn't get burnt with, because if right? there was a fire in the car, that door would have been hot. But no, he just randomly opens the door, the smoke clears, and then there she is, all Korean barbecue style. And he doesn't react at first until the skeleton lurches forward into the camera. The slowest lurch ever <laughs> and into the camera. But again, not a human reaction, right? No, he has a human reaction when the car starts on fire. He goes, ah! And I'm like, oh. oh. Right, that's a human reaction. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody sees dead bodies in this movie and nobody reacts to it. Oh no! Especially after <laughs> after what happens after the seance scene. Um, so we have a seance. Uh, the 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 Lori Laughlin and the kids come up with the idea of having a seance inside the Amityville house, which is of course is a great idea. Um, oh, people have died in this house, and it's connected to Satan. Let's have a seance. And you mentioned about the the letters. Well, I was saying like. Like, I now know that the last ten minutes of this movie took all their budget because they couldn't even go out and buy a Ouija board. Instead, just took scrap paper or wrote letters on them and put them in a half moon and then took, a, like you said, a drinking glass and used that as the planchette for the stupid thing that they invented out of nowhere. Well, it's like they made the letters in art class or something and then decided, let's make it into a Ouija board. Tell us about the seance, Andy. Oh, God. Um, so we know that uh, that Meg Ryan doesn't wear panties. Because <laughs> apparently everybody knows that. 
Um, we know there are questions you shouldn't ask a Ouija board. And we also know that terminal velocity for uh, glass being thrown at a camera is about as fast as I can walk across a room. <laughs> and what gets me, though, is is that, the I mean, it was one of the cheapest 3D shots in the movie. Right. The way that the glass was thrown into the camera, and with it being as fast as it's supposed to be, it was slow. It was real slow. I mean, you could see that string. You really could. And then this was a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then at that point, that's when the movie really started memeing itself. Because after that scene happens, they all start squaring at him, at, at Susan. It's like you killed the glass, Susan. You did it, Susan. And it's like they kept emphasizing the name Susan. And I'm like going, yep, here comes the meme right here. That's right. <laughs> so so they have this seance that has spooky things that happen. And what's the next thing they do? They go to the blackest <laughs> the blackest pond I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, now, the boat scene. Yeah, the water was just so black. And they're like, hey, let's take a ride on this boat. And it becomes on Golden Pond. Well, it just again, it's one of those not not human scenes where it's like these four, these two girls and these two guys in high school that apparently, I mean, this is teacher strike, right? Yeah. Um, again, they're they're they take off on this boat, um, and oh, the, I told you to remind me of the the phone call. Oh, the phone, yeah, the phone call happens during the boat scene. Yes. Yeah. So, so they just get on the boat. And, the, and then it cuts to the house. And this is a this is a 10 or 15 second scene. They needed a reason to get mom to the house. Oh, yeah. So um, this Lori is where Loughlin, mom is acting. Yeah. Oh, my God. So Lori Laughlin doesn't come home after. I guess it, maybe it's after school or whenever it is. And she's calling Meg Ryan's mom and saying, hey, is my daughter with your daughter? Have you seen them? And then she goes. Never mind, I have a good idea of where they are. Keep in mind, every scene that we have seen mom and daughter in together, mom has been railing daughter for going to the house. Mm -hmm. And now you realize you have a good idea of where they are? You know exactly where they are. It's the same place you've been telling her for two hours not to go. Like, I was like, are you kidding me? This is how you're going to get her to the house? This is This is your methodology? Because she had to go to the house so she could act like not a human being again. Oh, yeah. So she gets to the house, and she sees an extremely wet Susan walk upstairs into the bedroom. And give her this smirk. Yeah. And I can't even define the smirk. No, it's just weird. Well, it's Lori Laughlin smiling, basically, is the best way to describe yeah, the right. smirk. So she's going after her daughter, Susan. And she slams the door. Meanwhile, Tony Roberts comes up and discovers that Susan actually drowned in the lake. Well, they're pulling her out of the water and giving her mouth-to-mouth, and the ambulance is there. And, you know, he realizes it and goes running over. She's still in the house trying to get Susan to come out of the bedroom. Uh, at this point, I texted you saying, I want Whitney Houston to open the door and say my name is not Susan, and then slam Right? <laughs> But they're still giving her mouth to mouth. Nobody has declared anyone dead when she comes out of the house. 
And they're giving her like more mouth to mouth than anybody would when they're trying to save somebody, even in the 80s. I'm like going, you've been giving her mouth to mouth for five minutes. What the hell? They're giving her more mouth to mouth than Mick Jagger gives a lollipop. <laughs> there you go. But she comes out of the house and she's like, that's not Susan. I just saw Susan and turns around and runs into the house. We never see um, uh, Greg Brady goes after her and we never see the two of them go back out to deal with their now dead daughter. Yeah, they just let her die out there. They just let her die outside. And there's no mention of the daughter again until the, there's a passing mention of a funeral, and that's it. Yeah. Well, it's like I, it's like I, I um, texted you here. I mean, first of all, I texted you, no one will be seated during the hunt for Susan in the house scene. Um, oh, it was great. It was bananas. And then I texted you, it reminds me of those times when I was in an acting class and we had to do an improv session and the actress I was teamed up with really didn't know what to do, so she would just randomly scream a person's name. <laughs> That's exactly what that scene was. And She's in this room. She's in the room. Like, I'm going to wait for her in her room. Like, what? Well, then, all right. That's... Yeah, because then we cut to Tony Roberts sleeping on the couch, and he has his dream where the portal to hell is now filled with water and boiling. And the and Lori Laughlin's in there, oh shabu shabu style, uh, while the mother seems to be cooking her in the boiling water. And then Lori Laughlin jumps out all chud style and attacks Tony Robertson. This is the first time he actually shows any type of terror on his face in this movie. And I'm like, oh, your daughter died. You almost got killed by an elevator. You had your real estate agent die in this house. It, you you had your assistant get killed. Now you're scared because of a nightmare you had. Right. This movie's bonkers. <laughs> so he goes to the paranormalist for help, and at this point, that's when the movie becomes the entity, because they decide to set the house up with all of these ele electronical equipments and cameras and infrared and thermal bullshit. And the whole house is suddenly filled with this entire crew of people to watch Nana, Nanner's mother, um, and uh, who apparently earlier was ironing while drinking the old juice Five Alive. Uh, <laughs> right, you sent me that and said, I remember this. <laughs> and so they're watching her to see what happens. What happens, Andy? <sighs> so they're watching mom in the in the attic bedroom that was all set up like like Little House on the Prairie style apparently. Oh, God, it was yeah, down to the doll. And they start hearing um, Lori Laughlin's voice in what I said is a great Enigma song because it, like, <laughs> it was like this ethereal like whisper of like. I'm here. Help me. <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Also, uh, special mention for uh, Zamfir returning with his pan flute. Uh, oh, yeah, that pan flute scene was out of nowhere. Just always with the pan flute, uh, this entire pan flute. Like, the soundtrack to this was bananas, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. 
Um, so, uh, the door, the, the door doesn't close, right? All hell just breaks loose in the house at that point. Mm -hmm. If I remember right. Yeah. This is where all hell starts breaking loose because apparently this is what they used the budget on was this final sequence. I think they filmed the final sequence first and then went, Oh shit, we have no budget for the rest of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I think happened. So the, I don't. If I remember right, the door doesn't slam shut. It just all hell breaks loose, and you keep getting these like cut scenes to the basement, to the hellhole of the basement. And the first one, it cuts to the house starts rumbling and shaking, and stuff just starts falling apart. Then they cut to the basement, and it's a pillar of ice <laughs> coming oh, out of b- the well. <laughs> before the pillar of ice, though, it becomes the shabu shabu again. Yes, because right. they're trying, right. they they think they can save Susan by dragging the demon out. Well, they drag the demon out, and it's literally. Oh, no, 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 that's right. Because uh, the the psychologist is like, I must face him. Yeah, I'm like what? And so Satan pops out of the hole, and Satan is like you said, um, the character, the, the the demon from the Kindred again, and I called it Chud. So Satan is a Chud demon, apparently. Um, barbecues the guy's face. And brings him down to hell with him. And yeah, that's when the house starts collapsing. And, and the house all goes banana crackers. Mm-hmm. And in what I think, you know, the movie, if you want to watch this movie, we usually give you a recommendation on, on movies and when to, and when to watch them. And, and if we, we think you should or shouldn't, I'm going to say, if you can get a hold of the last half hour of this movie, that's worth watching. That's the entire movie. You know, you don't need to know anything else. The first Absolutely. hour is terrible, absolutely terrible, and does nothing to do to advance the plot. When we get to the final 30 minutes, that's when we get to the plot. All hell breaks loose. The house is shaking and falling apart. Um, apparently, there's a hurricane like, <laughs> inside the house, but it's freezing, like enough to like put layers of frost on things. And that ice pillar that comes out of the portal of hell explodes and it starts acting like Krypton blowing up in hell. Yes, yes, it does. And then, um, well, and, and, and stuff just starts flying, including uh, one of the paranormal researchers comes ass first at the camera. Oh, I love the paranormal researcher that got plastered by the door that went flying through the window. That, that, that death needed Benny Hill music. Oh, this this whole thing needed Benny Hill music. It was great. I wonder if you can recut it to Yakety Sax. <laughs> it absolutely, especially the scene where they're, no, no, I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. So all the hell, all the house, the hell's breaking loose. Um, the chandelier falls. The, you know, the, their, their entire world is coming to an end, essentially. And then... The wor- the best worst thing in the world happens. Oh, the, the 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 so here is Tony trying to bust the window open, which has turned to complete ice. He's trying to bust it open. Meanwhile, his ex wife is over on the side, going ah 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 ah. She's just fawning all over the place, and we keep cutting to the swordfish flapping on the wall, just, just like shaking on the wall, and, and it would just, just like, shake on the wall. And it we, would just shake on the wall. We cut to it four times. I Finally, I go, we get it. The swordfish <laughs> is going to try to kill him. 
And sure enough, the swordfish comes to life and goes flying toward Tony Roberts, just missing him, but of course goes right into the camera, all 3D style. Actually, no oh, yeah. Does that. No Fuck. I noticed this. That was a bad 3D move. It goes diagonal into the side of the screen, not toward the screen. That's one of the 3D effects they screwed up. Ah. Well, they screwed up also by not killing Tony Roberts well, in that scene. That's one of the though. 3D scenes they screwed up. This whole movie. <laughs> There's a number of them, yeah. Was a screwed up 3D scene. So they, uh, they get out of the Amityville house, which blows up. Um, yeah, it blows up. And falls down to the ground, leaving Tony Roberts and his um, ex-wife stand there just looking like... They, the end of Rocky Horror Picture Show? No, they actually had this look on their face like someone just hit the brown note. And, yeah. And <laughs> didn't know what to do, so they just left. Then, Again, no human reaction. No. Nope. At all. And then they cut down and we see the doll laying on the ground, Lori Laughlin's doll laying on the ground, unharmed. Annabelle. Not a scorch mark on it whatsoever. Annabelle. Annabelle. <laughs> yes, Annabelle's laying on the ground, un unharmed. And then we cut back to the house wreckage to the well, which is water-filled and on fire. And we get one final scene with Fly on a String. Yep. Right in your face. This was a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, it's worth it for the last half hour because it's so nuts. Yeah, the whole thing really goes nanners in the last 30 minutes. Um, so if you do watch this movie, just keep in mind that the first hour is going to be a test of patience for you. It really Deep will. Early. Yeah. But the last 30 minutes is worth it. All right. We survived that one, Andy. Yeah, um, we did. We did. Honestly, it wasn't horrible. No, right? we've, seen, we've seen worse movies. We definitely have. Um, I, don't, I don't think anything is going to be as bad as that one that was really bad, which I've erased from my head from season yeah. one. Yeah, you and me both. Um, <laughs> so... Um, at, at, least, at least, like I said, at least the last 30 minutes, it makes it all, you know, worth the wait just so you can see the bananas. That is um, Chud Satan coming out of the boiling water. Oh, the whole thing was bonkers. The whole last, the whole last half hour of that movie with the house falling apart. And like, they're literally just throwing everything in a house. Oh, yeah. You could, That's all they're doing. It's like there's screens flying. There's anything, anything that you can look around where you're sitting right now. If it could fly at a camera, they threw it at a camera. Oh, yeah. And then because that wasn't enough, they're like, okay, let's buy some um, sheetrock and just throw it. Yeah, let's just throw it at people. <laughs> throw the drywall. Throw it at people. Throw the drywall. Throw it. <laughs> but, like, that part was that part was out of control. Yeah. It was that. That was Nanners. So... Watch it at least for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so our next film closes out our trilogy of cocaine. All right. And I've saved the most cocaine-y for last. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm um, ready. Honestly, this, this film, which was released in 1986, uh, when it comes to films that are fueled by cocaine that are not Scarface, 
Um, this is a poster child for that. Uh, this, All right. This is probably one of the more, I guess you could say, mainstreamy movies that we've covered uh, so far. Uh, the film has a soundtrack by ACDC. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. Keep going. Um, it stars Emilio Estevez. Yes, baby. <laughs> it's been years, but I'm in. Yes. And this was written and directed by Mr. Stephen King at his height of cocaine use. Ooh, I am um, talking. I am. I'm talking, I of course, love, of Maximum Overdrive. I love this movie. Um. It's probably been 25 years since I've seen it, but I just recently listened to Yearly Smith talk about it on a podcast <laughs> and about how coked out everybody was. Yeah. Not Stephen King. Everybody. Everyone was, like, was swimming in cocaine in this movie. Yeah. out like the entire shoot. And it's got a Green Goblin truck in it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, when when there comes to when it comes to cocaine field movies, this is definitely a cocaine field movie, and that's why I wanted to save this one for last. I'm, because... I'm so in, man. I'm so. This is like robot. This is on the level of robot jocks for me. You've made me a very happy man. <laughs> and it's been years since I've seen this too, and I mean, it has achieved a massive cult following because of not only the renaissance of Stephen King that's going on right now. But also because of how notoriously high levels the cocaine were flowing with this movie, with everyone involved. Um, Just because how ins yeah, how insane it's the movie is. The movie's insane. Oh yeah, the choices are insane. Everything's insane about this movie. And I, I I love the trailer for this movie also because Stephen King is so high on cocaine in the trailer for this that he gets a lazy eye. And what? Yes. I mean, if, if you've not seen the, the trailer for this in years, you need to see the trailer because all of a sudden his left eye starts going in a different direction than his right eye. And I'm like, okay, Stephen King doesn't have a lazy eye. How high are you right now? That high. Is that high? <laughs> he is so flying high on the cocaine in that trailer. And it shows in the film also. So that's our next film, folks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, again, you can find us on Facebook under uh, Cult Cinema Catacombs. You can find us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter account's actually getting more activity lately, especially on Friday nights during the Joe Bob Drive-In um, uh, show on Shudder. Um, color commentary is going on during those as well, especially after last week with the um, with the film I think we're going to be watching on this show too called Wolf Guy. I'm super into that, by um, the way. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter under These Films Exist. And uh, we'll be back next time to talk about the awesomeness that is Maximum Overdrive. Talk to y'all later. Bye.